To God be the glory. Thank you so much. Appreciate our, uh, uh, appreciate our choir, worship team, all that they have been done. Listen, we've had uh, these past uh, few weeks, multi-generational choir on Palm Sunday, Good Friday service, and now uh, tonight we are certainly blessed to be able to have uh, be able to worship together. It is the reason we have come together because of our resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's the reason we have come on this Easter Sunday. Thank you for taking part of your celebration time to come and to be a part of uh, Resurrection Sunday at Parkway Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here and uh, it is the reason we've come together not only today but every time we come together. It is because of our resurrected Lord. In fact, every day that we get up, it is because of what Jesus Christ, that we might live a life worthy of our calling of our Lord and Savior. Would you find in your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 9, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, and uh, we'll be reading that here in just a moment. One of the choir members said, maybe it was more than one, said, uh, how's the preacher going to preach after that? Well, listen, let me tell you, if you can't preach after that, you're in the wrong business. So uh, we are glad to come together. We're in 1 Peter chapter 1, going to be reading verses 1 through 9. Keep your Bibles open also as we'll be looking at some of these passages as uh, Peter talks and reflects about the resurrection. Would you stand and honor the reading of God's Word today? 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 says this, Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's grace are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while it is necessary you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, in glory, in honor, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Remain standing as we read our key verse from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And you may be seated. I guess every generation and probably everybody has some of those moments, those remember where you were when moments. Now we realize for us, probably for everybody in this room, we have the remember where you were when moment for when COVID-19 struck. We remember where we were the moment that it all shut down and we had to start wearing them as awful masks. And then you have probably also for many of us here, we realize the 9-11 event probably was also one of those events. For the previous generation, it may have been when President Kennedy was a shot or maybe when the first man landed on the moon. We might even have a few here who might remember the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Anybody here remember maybe the assassination of President Lincoln? No, maybe not in this particular service. Forgive me, but I can remember where I was when Bear Bryant died. 
But for a lot of us, we remember where we were, where we were sitting, who we were with when kick six took place. And yes, we are still hanging on as Auburn fans to this very thing. But I can tell you for me, particular, this was the Saturday before I became your pastor. As a matter of fact, I mark time now by this event. Seems that these events are happening more and more often perhaps today. Can you remember when you put the first hundred dollars perhaps in, worth of gas in your car, in your truck? Or maybe you remember this first Easter that you just almost started painting potatoes instead of eggs because of the price of eggs instead. <laughs> or maybe how about when the first president was indicted? Or maybe it might happen again as well. Too, is that too soon or too political? History, though, has the one where you were when moment. And this moment for all time and for all generations. As a matter of fact, before this time occurred, that all of history was counting down until this moment occurred. And ever since, every generation has been judged and has been moved according to this particular event. It is the greatest moment in history is the resurrection of the crucified Jesus. It is the greatest moment in all of history. It's the greatest moment in all of time. You've got there in your notes, we recognize that the birth of Jesus reveals that God is near as He loves and He cares for us. When Christmas comes along, we know that He loves us and He cares for us. The cross of Jesus reveals that God is grace and God is love. He died in our place so that we might be forgiven. And the resurrection of Jesus, it reveals God's power and that He is, he is the life-giving God. Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave. He gives us new life and everlasting life. It would be futile to separate these three. All of these are necessary in order for us to understand God's grace and God's love. But it is the resurrection that provides the source of new life and the source of eternal life for you and me. And just as you like to tell where you were when super special things happen, many people want to tell you today where they were when Jesus rose from the dead, when they first saw him and when they first discovered uh, the Roman soldiers sent to guard the tomb of Jesus. They were there when the earthquake occurred and the angel in dazzling white rolled away the stone in front of the tomb. So terrified were they that they fainted away like dead men. And when they woke, they came, they went to the chief priest, reported to them what happened. The chief priest paid them a large sum of money in order that they might be able to keep quiet and tell them that the disciples came and stole the body away. Did they keep quiet about it? Well, they must not have because I'm telling you about it today and I've read it in the Bible. You think they kept the money? Yeah, me too. Some of the women who were at the cross tell us that they were coming early in the morning just before daybreak. And matter of fact, they may tell a little bit like this. They might say, I remember it like it was yesterday as we were walking along and we were going so that we might be able to prepare the body of Jesus because he was buried just before the Sabbath. So we were unable to do it before. And as we were walking along, we began to talk with one another, said, how are we gonna be able to move the stone in front of the tomb? And then when we got there, we realized the stone had already been rolled away. We looked in and the body was not there, but there were two angels that were standing there, men who looked wearing bright, shining robes. They were glowing from head to toe. And one said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where they lay. And then they said, go and tell the disciples, and especially Peter. We didn't even have to ask why Peter, because Peter was grieving so we, told them exactly what we're telling you. But they didn't believe us. John was one who ran to the tomb. Ask him about it. John tells us about running to the tomb. Peter 
also ran to the tomb at the same time, but John got there first. And he tells us when he arrived from the tomb, he says, I arrived at the tomb, but I did not go in. Maybe out of respect or maybe because I didn't need to because when I saw that the body of Jesus was not there, at that moment, I believed that Jesus had risen from the dead, that everything that he said was true. Moments after he stepped he stopped at the entrance and then Peter arrived and burst ahead into the sepulcher. It was typical Peter. But there's also other people who want to tell you where they were when, like Mary Magdalene who stood outside the tomb weeping when she looked in. She saw, although she also saw the two angels, one at the head and one at the feet where Jesus' body had laid. And one of the angels asked me, why are you weeping? I said, because they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where. And I turned around and I saw Jesus standing there, but I did not recognize him. I thought that he was the gardener. I asked him if he knew where the body was and I would be glad to take care of the body. And then Jesus called my name, Mary. And I recognized him calling my name and I called him Rabboni or teacher. And I must have gone in for a hug because Jesus said, touch me not for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to tell the disciples that I am alive and will ascend into the Father. And I went and told them everything. I wanted them to know where I was when Jesus had risen from the dead. Two disciples were on the road to Emmaus discussing these events when suddenly a man appeared on the road and asked what they were discussing. And the man asked him, Do you, have you been in Jerusalem? Have you not heard about Jesus of Nazareth whom they arrested and crucified? He was a prophet of God, mighty indeed in word. We had hoped that he was the Messiah. Women have come from the tomb and reported that the body is not there. Even some of the disciples have gone and they've seen and they, that the body was not there, but they have not seen him alive. Then the man, as we walked along with us, he began to tell us, he said, didn't you know that this had to happen, that he had to be buried and rise again? And then he began with the scriptures with Moses and the prophets and he told us all things about himself from the scripture, yet we still did not recognize him. When we came to the city, he was about to come along and we asked him, say, well, stay with us, it's late. And so we sat down and we began to eat. And this one that was with us, he broke the bread and he gave a blessing. Oh, we recognized, our eyes were opened and we recognized it was Jesus and suddenly he vanished before our very eyes and our hearts were burning as he spoke about the scripture and himself. 10 of the disciples were in the upper room on the night of the resurrection, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews and suddenly Jesus had come through locked doors and he was in their midst. He said, Shalom, peace be with you. The disciples were terrified thinking they had seen a ghost. Jesus said, it is I. And he showed them his hands and his feet where the nails had been placed. And the Bible says he breathed upon them the Holy Spirit and said to them as the Father has sent me, so send I you. But Thomas was not there. He'll forever be known as Doubting Thomas because he said, I will not believe until I see his hands and I see this side that has been pierced. But Thomas tells this story where he was when story. He said, I was with the disciples one week later in the upper room. And again, Jesus walked in through locked doors and was with us. And Jesus looked at me and said, Thomas, see my nail, nail pierced hand, put your hand in my side and do not doubt, but I believe. But I didn't need to touch him, Thomas said. He said, because I believed and I yelled out my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those 
who have not seen and yet have believed. And those are just some of the stories of where they were when Jesus arose. In fact, there were 500 who saw Jesus all at the same time. And for the rest of their lives, they would tell anyone who would listen. But the one we want to focus on for these next few minutes is Peter. He would say, I was there when the women came and they began to tell us that they had, the tomb was empty and that they had seen angels. I don't know that I believe them quite yet. I ran at the same time as John did, but John got there first. And so I got to the tomb, I ran into the tomb and I saw that the body was not there, but I saw the cloth to where Jesus was wrapped in, but I was curious, but still I was unsure. And I wondered about these things until later that night. It was in the upper room with some of the other disciples and I able to see Jesus and there I believed. And I was with Jesus for 40 days and we talked with him multiples of times and I was there when he ascended to heaven that literally his body rose from the ground and rose until you could not see it because of the clouds anymore. And I've declared to you in my first letter, First Peter, the resurrection and the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord. Have we covered them all? Oh, well, not hardly because there have been millions, if not billions that can tell you there where they were when, when they discovered Jesus rose from the dead, that he is for real and they placed their faith in Jesus. Which leads to the question, where were you when Jesus arose and when you believed? On Good Friday, we have services commemorating the cross of Christ, and we had communion at that time. And throughout the service, we sang several verses of the song, Were You There? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, Lord, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? We also sang the second verse as we talked about the things that happened the day Oh, good, that first Good Friday. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree, we sang? Were you there when the sun refused to shine? Were you there when they pierced him in the side? Finally, the last part of the song that we sang that night is, were you there when they laid him in the tomb? We stopped at the fifth verse. When the service was over that night, we all left this room without saying a word. Listen. Getting Baptists to keep their mouth shut for any amount of time is a pretty big feat. But we came in anticipation, thinking about the cross and understanding what Jesus did for us on the cross on that particular night so that we could come here today in celebration. Did you notice the very first thing that we sang this morning as we came in? Because we recognize this is a, this Were You There song. It's an African-American spiritual blown before the Civil War that I understand has many more verses than we have Sung, but according to the 2008 Baptist hymnal, the last verse is, were you there when he rose up from the grave? How could we have been there? What does that mean? Just as these in the New Testament all had a personal experience to tell and could tell you where they were when it happened, when they realized that Jesus is alive and offers new life. So all people of faith have a story to tell of where they were when they knew Jesus was alive and they placed their faith in him. Yes, Jesus literally rose from the dead nearly 2,000 years ago, causes stores to be filled with people buying candy, eggs, and dresses. But more important, we can know the power of the resurrection in our life. That's how you can be there. That's how you were there. So where were you? 
the moment that you knew that he was alive and the moment that you believed. You've got some notes there. You can even write that down. If you remember where you were, were you at home, were you in church, were you by yourself, just write down just a note of remembrance of where you were when you knew Jesus rose from the dead and you believed. Does it cover everybody? It does not. In a crowd like this and those who may be even watching or listening today, Listen, I want you to know I'm not a psychic, I'm not a prophet, I'm not the son of a prophet, and I have no special insight in anybody's heart or life. But somebody here is. Somebody here is a skeptic. You're here today, maybe because of family today, or maybe it's just the thing to do, and we welcome you, but the truth be known in your heart of hearts. You're skeptical about this thing about Jesus rising from the dead. Is he really God in the flesh? Or you're not sure that God really cares for you or prayers for you today is that you go from being a skeptic to a true believer in the Lord Jesus and you'll be able to say where you were when you experienced the resurrected Lord. Somebody here is thinking all is well because you're a good person. Or you're thinking all is well because, well, you've, Maybe been a Christian all your life because you've heard about Jesus all of your life. You celebrate Christmas and Easter and everything in between, but you've never had that where you were when moment that has nothing to do with just emotion or only feeling, but everything with the moment in your history when you declared for Jesus and turned everything over to him and you're amazed that he loves you and you're thankful that he forgives you of your sins. Now, I'm not asking you today if you've ever had an amazing emotional experience. I'm not asking you today if, you're a, if you feel like you're a good person. I'm asking you if you've genuinely asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. That's the moment you want to share. But somebody here feels their life is falling apart. Or maybe you don't love yourself so much so you can't really believe that God loves you or anybody else. Why has God made you the way you are, you may be thinking, or allowed so many things or situations, circumstances to happen to you today? What I want to tell you today is a day of hope because today is a day knowing that God cares for you, that His grace is provided for you and His grace is sufficient for this very day and any day you have in the future. He does have the power to change any circumstance in your life. Any situation that you're facing, He has power to change that very thing. But he also has a greater power, and that is even if the circumstances do not change, that he wants to use whatever you're facing today, whatever you're going through, so that you might be more like Christ or you might be brought to Christ or that you might be part of God's good work in his kingdom. Somebody here is a Christian, but you're going through some doubts. You're, you're wondering if it's still true, if it ever was true. You feel far away maybe because of your actions or maybe because of your inactions. Well, I'm going to encourage you today to draw close to the Lord Jesus. Either, either way, it's time for you to walk with him closer or closer than you've ever been before. But somebody's here searching. You're searching for truth. You're searching for answers or purpose or meaning. I think you've come to the right place because the risen Lord knew you were going to be here today. And if any of these things describe you or not, we're going to give you an opportunity to have a better understanding of the difference that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus makes and can have in your life. Peter describes what the resurrection does for every genuine believer. Peter, who saw the risen Lord, writes about the resurrection in his first letter. 
Let me tell you what this is going to do for you all today. For those who are skeptics or you're unsure or still searching, you get a sneak peek into the Christian life. Today you get to put it on for size and look into the mirror and see if this is going to be able to fit you. I hope that you will decide for Jesus today. For believers, this is a day of celebration, encouragement, and a reminder of what it means to have a relationship with the risen Lord. According to Peter, what we read in 1 Peter 1 just a moment ago, this is what the resurrection of Jesus means to you and all who put their faith in Him. It is, a first of all, a living hope. It is a living hope. According to verse 3 that we read a moment ago, if we're simply using words or phrases that are found in the text. It's living because it's made possible by the one who has risen and the one who is alive today. It's a hope for you to be able to know right now because Christ lives and dwells and lives in you and with you. It's not a hope so. Maybe this is going to happen, but this is a confident hope that is real, genuine, and assured. God is working today, even now, this very service, all hearts here, so that you might be assured of a relationship that you can have with Jesus today and that you can walk with Him today. And there's a hope for today as well as a hope for tomorrow. Jesus is with us in every situation. Every other kind of hope fades away. Only living hope in Jesus grows and becomes stronger as we walk with Him and put, place our faith in Him. But also we find the resurrection can mean to, it means to all of us, it means to you, you also have an eternal inheritance. Eternal inheritance. Now, the living hope is what we have going for us today. The eternal inheritance is what we are looking forward to taking place one day. We experience it somewhat today, but we will one day experience it in full. Did you notice, like in verse 4, that the reservations are guaranteed? Notice at the end of verse 4, it's kept in heaven for you. If you get your Bibles open, you remember we read in verse 5 where it says it's guarded by God's power. Have you ever made reservations maybe at a hotel or some event or maybe even an airline only to come and find out that there's a problem with your reservation? Several years ago, we were coming back from a mission trip, several of us from the church, and it was, uh, it was two o'clock in the morning and we were at the uh, airport in Kenya. We had been in three countries in 10 days, so there were a lot of plane reservations going in and coming out that were taking place, but we were leaving out of Kenya, we were supposed to leave at four. As we began, really about 2.30, we'd been there for several hours in the airport, and we began to go ahead and go through the process and security and those kinds of things. They tell us that we're not in the computer. Now, I want you to understand that I had already, uh, uh, I had already checked before we ever left the States. In fact, we already had, we had a hard, we had a real ticket with us, we had also an e-ticket on our phone. We even had the boarding passes that had our uh, seat numbers on it. I had to argue with them for several, for a long time. Listen, uh, won't you understand, we had a tour, we had a, we had a guide and a driver, interpreter, same person, all the same person. He had dropped us off over four hours ago. So we were there kind of on our own in these, the Kenya airport. Many people spoke English. I'm not sure many people spoke Alabama English. <laughs> After a long time of kind of arguing and going back and forth, they wanted us to buy the ticket for the next plane that would be out, which was 24 hours later. 
And uh, at one point I found myself in the back room with some sort of manager and all of our group, they were all in a corner having a prayer vigil and all that was going on. One of our college students was texting her mom and dad. And that's two in the morning in Kenya. So it was like late afternoon here, but uh, texting her mom and dad. And she texted these words. She said, I'm really, really scared. They texted back. Why are you so scared? They said, because I've never heard brother Jeff yell before. <laughs> when we get to heaven, we will not need to prove our worth. We'll not need to show our papers. Uh, we will not need to worry because our reservations are guaranteed. We will have an advocate that will be waiting for us who will speak up for us as well. For all those who have placed their faith in Jesus, he will declare he paid the price on the cross at Calvary. We have been forgiven of all of our sins. There is no judgment for all those who are in Christ. He will declare I've risen from the dead. He's conquered death and sin and the grave. And we understand because of what Jesus is, has done for us, all power and authority belongs to him. We'll have Free access as a child of the king of kings. So sure was Peter of your internal inheritance. He uses these multiple adjectives in verse 4. As he says, it's imperishable. It does not fade away. It is undefiled. It cannot be corrupted. It is unfading. There are no decaying elements. These are the things that the resurrection does for us. It gives us the living hope. It gives us eternal inheritance. But also it gives us we find out in these verses, various trials. Very, now, wait a second. Isn't this the Christian life? Isn't everything supposed to be good? Everything great all the time for Christians? You haven't read the Bible, have you? If you think that. Or you haven't experienced trying to live for Jesus. If you have, you wouldn't need to ask. Listen, maybe somebody, maybe you've listened to some slick-haired, smiling preacher on TV or somebody else who's told you that all Christians have no troubles. But note again in verse 6 that we read earlier, 1 Peter 1 and verse 6, you will experience various trials as a testing of your faith. The Lord will use these to refine you like gold if you let him. That word various means uh, multicolored. So there'll be many different kinds of trials, whether it be a blue Monday or a gray Wednesday or a black Friday. God wants to use every trial to make sure that you become more and more like Jesus and bring him glory. Let me say this. To those who are believers, and to those or those who are considering becoming genuine believers of Christ, all of us will face difficulties and various trials. These are unavoidable in this world in which we live. You might as well make them worth something. I mean, if all of us, all those who are believers, all those who may become believers or consider becoming believers are going to face various, various trials and difficulties. We might as well be sure that we're going through those trials because we are followers of Jesus or while we are seeking to follow him. All kinds of trials, some of them happen self-inflicted, some of those that happen are seasons of life, some of those that happen or while serving Jesus. Let's be sure that we're allowing the Lord to be able to use these trials so that we might become more and more like him. Let me, let me point out another benefit of the resurrection. Following Jesus will give you a deeper faith. A deeper faith. The faith you put in Jesus is not a one and done, but it's an attribute of all of God's family. Whether, whatever faith you have now, if you think it's not enough, 
I want you to hear all of this now. Don't worry if you think the faith you have is not enough. But act upon the faith you have and your faith will increase. Because your faith is not in faith alone. It's not in that you have enough faith, but it is faith in Jesus. So be sure that as you place your faith in Jesus, as you demonstrate more of that faith, you'll continue to grow. Your faith will grow. The more faith, the more of the resurrected power you'll be able to experience in your life. Charles Spurgeon once said, a little bit of faith can get your soul to heaven, but a lot of faith can get heaven to your soul. Today, your faith may be greater than the disciples of the resurrection. Listen, today your faith may be greater than that of the disciples at the resurrection. That's what Peter said. But before that, do you remember Thomas? We called him Doughty Thomas when he saw Jesus, didn't have to see his hands, didn't have to touch his side. He just declared, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him in John 20 and verse 29, he said, you have seen me. You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Even Peter seems to have had a hard time believing until he saw Jesus. Well, where were you when Jesus rose from the dead? Peter writes, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. He writes these words. He said, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Does that describe your faith? <laughs> Many of the disciples had to see Jesus before they believed. But you didn't see Jesus rise from the dead. You've not seen him alive on this earth. You've seen him at work. You've recognized that Jesus is alive today. It's written in his word. We've had other people tell us. You've seen it demonstrated in other people's life. So you love him even though you have not seen him. You know that he's risen from the dead because you have experienced him in your heart and in your life and because Jesus came and knocked on your heart's door as well. Does that describe you? I want to give you an invitation today that if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, it's an invitation so that you might be able to say, I know where I was when. It, it's going to happen maybe this moment or next few minutes in this service. It could happen if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's a prayer that I have. Uh, we'll put it on the screen and also you have it in your notes. It's an invitation to experience the resurrection and new life today. And it's a prayer that you can take with you. Now understand, these are not the magic words. You say the words and poof, somehow you're in. But it's a genuineness of heart, knowing that you want Christ to come in. It even does not have to be this exact prayer, but the elements of these, this prayer need to be a part of your wanting to, for God to forgive you and wanting Jesus to come in to be your Savior and Lord. Let me just read it now so that when we have opportunity you'll be able to pray that prayer knowing what you're praying. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins. Today I place my faith in you. I give you control of my life and my eternity. I ask you to be my Savior and Lord forever. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again on the first Easter Sunday. Help me to grow and become more like you every day. Now, we're gonna give you a moment to think about if this is a prayer that you need to pray. In fact, in just a few moments, 
I'm going to ask everybody here to pray a prayer. One prayer might be for the believer. Another prayer might be for the believer who's far away. And another prayer for the believer or for the unbeliever as well. And just pray that maybe through this service that the Lord will prepare our hearts for that particular time that's coming. But let me pray for you right now. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment in time in which we can celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to stand in your presence, to be able to lift up celebration and praise for what Jesus has done for each one of us. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the sacrifice that was made. We come today in celebration of the resurrection of the new life that is found in our Lord and Savior. And Father, we pray for all those who are here, all of us in different parts of our journey perhaps, but today may we come recognizing what it is that we need to do today to please you. Thank you for the power of the resurrection, even now that we're able to experience. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.